You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. So with all this wisdom and all this knowledge and everything from God that he had was an answer to prayer, you would think such a man would never, ever stray from God. Well, if anybody's not gonna ever stray from God, he's the guy, but he did. He did. And it happened through wrong relationship. 1 Kings 11:4. it was so when Solomon was old. What a sad way to finish your older years. His wives turned his heart after other gods. It doesn't matter if it's a musician, celebrity, or even a pastor. We've seen all types of people turn their backs on God's grace. What caused them to fall out of love with Jesus? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to see your faith flourish and rise above the pain of this world, you need to keep your inner circle centered on Christ. The moment you start to drift into other spheres of influence, the further you'll be from the heart of Jesus. Claim your stake in eternity and be saved. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Proverbs chapter 27 as he continues his message, Who Your Friends Are. Both Satan and God understand the incredible, awesome power of relationship. Satan knows if I can sow a tear into your life, if I can sow somebody into your life you get attached to, but they don't really walk with God, then I have an incredible leverage over your life to get you away from God. And God knows if I can bring a godly person into your life, a godly friend, and, and you begin to hang with them, run with them, fellowship with them, talk with them, go to church with them, worship with them, they're going to be powerful in influencing you towards God and in keeping you sharp. So when God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. So we're to be very wise who we bring into our inner circle, into the inner sanctuary of our soul, who we trust with our deepest secrets, who we allow to capture our heart. You gotta be very, that's why I say to those of you dating, you're not married yet. Listen carefully to me today, because once you're in love, we've lost you. Because once you're in love, you're stuck on stupid. Once you're in love, we can't reach you. Once you're in love, you are deaf to any word of reason. So, so before you fall in love with somebody, be sure they go through the litmus. Are they walking with Jesus like me? Were they going to church before I knew them? Do they pray? Do they seek God when nobody's looking? Who are they in their private life? Check it out. I'm saving you some tears today, some sorrow today. Let me give you two examples from Scripture of both good and bad friendships. The, the good one, the best one in the Bible, one of the most outstanding friendships, godly friendships, David and Jonathan. We all know who David was, but who was Jonathan? Well, Jonathan was King Saul's son. And he was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel the way that it was done back then. He was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel. We know that Jonathan was a man of God, a young man of God. He was heroic. He had done heroic things militarily when he first encountered David. And David and Jonathan met 
in the context of a great victory for God. They met in the context of David killing Goliath. That's when they met. And the Bible says when David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, Saul, King Saul, who had been hiding in fear in the tent and should have been leading the way, the King Saul called for him and said, I need to meet this young man. He just brought down the giant with a sling and a stone. So it says he interviewed him. And when he interviewed David, it says Jonathan was standing nearby. And he heard his dad say to David, uh, uh, whose son are you, young man? Where'd you come from? Where have you been all my life? He said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. And the Bible goes on to record, when he had finished speaking to Saul, listen to what happened. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, the homosexual movement has tried to say, or at least some in it, that this is, this is telling us that they entered into a, a gay relationship. And, and that's complete blasphemy and misinterpretation of Scripture because the Word of God says there's nothing sexual at all about this relationship. God knitted their heart in godly friendship on the spot. The word knit means bound up or melded together. Metaphorically, it means to be allied with. So what it's telling us is these two, David and Jonathan, became each other's allies and supports and cheerleaders and friends and protectors. I'm for you, you're for me. We're in this together. Somebody attacks you, they attack me. If you fall, I fall. If you win, I win. It's an expression of deep, pure affection, a joining of two godly souls under the influence and the touch of God. They were both heroic. They were both kindred spirits. They had a meshing. They, listen, what they saw in each other was a mirror expression of their own powerful faith in God. One commentator writes, Jonathan and David possessed one thing in common, an intense, unswerving belief in the power of Jehovah of Israel to keep and to save all who trusted in him. Their friendship was born and revolved around their mutual faith in God. This was a godly, God-ordained, God-inspired, God-centered friendship. It goes on to say in verse 3 that Jonathan and David made a covenant, and this is a covenant that saved David's life. Because he loved him as his own soul, the Bible says, talking about Jonathan. Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now let me tell you what this symbolizes. Very important. Jonathan giving him his robe, his armor, his sword, bow, and belt uh, was, was an expression not only of honor, but he was also helping clothe David with what he would need to walk in the court of the king. Because, it says in verse 2, Saul took him, that is David, that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. So David is plucked out of the pastures, out of herding sheep, and he's brought right into the court of the king. And so what is Jonathan doing? He is giving him 
what he outerwear that he needs to walk in the court of the king. Put another way, he's preparing him right off the bat for who he was called to be in God. See, that's what a real friend will do. A real friend will recognize the call of God on, on your life and will build you up for it and push you forward into it and prepare you with everything that's in them for the moment that you step into the fullness of your calling into the court of the king. That's what godly friendship does. Godly friendship pushes you forward in God's best for you. That's what godly friendship does. Can I have an amen here? Amen. A godly friendship is a huge boost and a blessing from God for your spiritual growth. Listen to the verse again. As one piece of iron sharpens another, so friends keep each other sharp. God gave me these kinds of friends years ago when I was in my low 20s and just starting out in the ministry and starting out in God. God gave me a group of guys he linked us with, because we were all seeking the same Jesus. We were all called of God to ministry. And we were all going the same direction. We were all walking the narrow path that leads to life. We were all about Jesus. We were sold out. We were all in. And God brought us together in the early 20s. And what's so powerful is they're still there with me today. Still there. Now, I'm going to get real transparent with you. We were young men. And in the 70s, the 70s, the early 70s, is when the floodgates of hell opened up and vile, filthy pornography flooded the land. And any red-blooded American male who loved Jesus was having to stand up and fight it. And not just that, but the whole tenor of the culture was wicked. So we used to get together and say, how are you doing with temptation to porn? How are you doing with your thought life? How are you doing in prayer? How are you doing uh, uh, with relationships? Who are you dating? And if you're dating anybody, we want to meet them. And we were accountable to each other. We supported each other. We prayed for each other. We were open with each other. Because all of us were pushing the other forward. We all became pastors. We all became ministers. All of us. And, and to this day, every single Sunday morning, we get together on, what do you call it? A group chat. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm internet illiterate. Group chat. And, and Pastor Sonny generally kicks it off, and he'll share some scripture. And to this day... We will say, go preach the paint off the wall. Go knock the devil down. Go win souls. You go, guy. You go, guy. And that's been going on, are you ready? 50 years. Hmm? I started out at nine years old. No, but that blesses me because God gave me godly friendships. And if any of us have ever started to go off or do something stupid, we're in each other's face. What are you doing? You're not going there. What are you thinking? I'm going to pray with you. No, you're not going there. Over my dead body, you're going there. No, no, no. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. 
this godly friendship proved to save David's life because the day came that Saul got intensely jealous of David. And he decided he was going to kill him. He stalked him for 10 years. For 10 years, David slept in caves and in open fields, going to sleep with one eye open and a sword in his hand. Is today the day he's going to find me? Saul had amassed the entire Israeli army. David was the number one top most wanted fugitive of Israel for 10 years. And, and how did he survive it? Well, one way was Jonathan told him what his father Saul was doing, how he could escape it, how he could avoid it. And because of Jonathan, his life was saved. Now think about this. Without Jonathan and David's friendship, most of the Psalms wouldn't be there. Big chunks of the Bible wouldn't exist. And the lineage through which Christ came, the lineage of David, would have been cut off. But for that godly, God-ordained friendship. Mm. So we've seen a good friendship. Let me talk to you about a bad one, and then we're going to close. The Bible says, don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't think you're an exception. Don't think because you're so spiritually strong, you can endure safely and sustain your spiritual life in a bad friendship. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Now this tells us right off the bat what a bad friendship does. Why Satan sows a terror into your life. Here's why. Because it ruins good habits. The word habits, the the Hebrew word that habits is translated from means morals. The Bible is warning that over time, a bad friendship will heavily influence your morals, your ethics, your spiritual convictions, will dull you and wear you down, where you've lost, you've spiritually lost what you had. Here's the fact. You will become like who you run with. I'm going to say that real slow. You will become like who you run with. Say, no, no, I'm going to pull them up. That's not what the Bible says. You run with the wrong people, they're going to pull you down. You will become like who you run with. That's the way God made relationship. You're going to become just like who you're spending your time with. My mother's parents, I went to visit them. I led both of them to Christ when they were in their uh, 70s. But they had been married their entire life. They were in upstate New York. They got married, get this, when she was 13 and he was 15. And it made it. It survived. The governor of New York sent them a 50th anniversary celebratory card. But they didn't know Jesus. So I went up there and I noticed this about them. They were just two peas in a pod. They were all they'd known it was them, each other. If one of them nodded, the other one nodded. The way they, they talked the same, they walked the same, they acted the same, they had the same expressions. If you were talking to her, you were talking to him. If you were talking to him, you were talking to her. They, they even moved at the same time. They accepted Christ at the same time, in the same way. Because you're going to become like who you run with. You can't get away from it. So who you're running with? Who you're running with? 
You won't walk down the road of life for very long without some, with, with someone else unless you're in agreement with them and how they're living. If you're not in agreement at the first, you're either going to part ways or begin a slow slide of one compromise after another in order to be with them. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer is they can't. Listen to God's warning. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has Christ with the devil? What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? The answer is none. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. He said, well, Jeff, I can't be all stuck up. You don't have to be stuck up out there. Listen, I've got all kinds of acquaintances in my life. Some are totally lost. Some are living lukewarm. They're no longer in church. And I've got, listen, I've got casual friendships like that. But here's the deal. I don't run with them. I don't go where they go. I don't do what they do. I draw a line in the sand. I'm going to show you the love of Jesus. I'm going to be nice and kind. I'm not going to be arrogant or condescending, but, but I'm not going to go where you go and I'm not going to do what you do because if I do, it's going to take me down. One of the best examples, and I'm going to close with this, is Solomon. The Bible says Solomon was the greatest man of his day. He was a man of God. He was a man greatly blessed of God. He had wisdom far above anyone else on planet Earth. Listen to what the Bible says. The whole world's to hear the wisdom of God or the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Solomon wrote much of the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Book of Ecclesiastes, and two psalms. Scripture records he could speak with authority about all kinds of plants. He could speak about animals, birds, insects, and fish. IQ off the charts. So aside from being the greatest man on the face of the earth and, over the, and the king of the greatest nation, he was an authority on botany, plants, uh, zoology animals, ornithology birds, entomology insects, and ichthyology marine life. He was brilliant. So with all this wisdom and all this knowledge and everything from God that he had was an answer to prayer, you would think such a man would never, ever stray from God. Well, if anybody's not going to ever stray from God, he's the guy, but he did. He did. And it happened through wrong relationships. 1 Kings 11.4, it was so when Solomon was old. What a sad way to finish your older years. His wives turned his heart after other gods. Turned his heart away. Wisest man on the planet. Could talk about anything. Blessed and anointed with God. King over this fabulous kingdom. Relationships were the enemy's door into him. He wound up worshiping idols. Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, uh, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Molech was the god they made stone idols of, 
and would and would put fires under him and make his hands red hot and place children in those red hot hands. Solomon worshipped Molech and built an altar on, the, on a high hill for these sacrifices to take place. The one that wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Holy and errant scripture. He wrote it and yet relationships took him down. So that's just in the Bible to let us know nobody is so strong that you can withstand being around the ungodly all the time. You can't. Now, how, you say, well, in closing, how do I know I'm in a wrong relationship, Pastor Jeff? I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you four quick signs. Here they are. You're having to compromise your biblical convictions to stay in it. You're having to compromise your biblical convictions to stay in it. That's one way. Second way, your walk with the Lord is not what it was before the relationship. Look at where you are right now and ask yourself, where am I spiritually as opposed to where I was before I started running around with this group or this person? Is it better? Is it worse? Where am I? Okay. Third, your joy and your peace are gone. You may even be having to drink something or take some numbing drug to squelch your protesting conscience. Here, here's the last one. People that know you best are noticing you're not the same. You've changed. You ever notice you parents, when your kids grow, and they hit teenage years where you need to put them in a wooden crate and <laughs> drill a hole in it for them to breathe and leave them there until they're 20? But if you can't do that, then you're dealing with teenagers. And here's the thing. If you ever notice how we hear all the time, I started noticing my son or my daughter coming home and something was different about their countenance, about their eyes. The eyes tell the story. Because the eyes go dark and they get shifty and they won't look at you. Because they have guilt. And a door has opened in their life and then you begin to figure out, well, when did this difference begin? When did this change start? When they started running with that group. Running with that person. And it took them down. They're not the same. They're not talking the same. They're alienated from us. They're, they're not around us. They avoid us. They're off in the room alone. What, what, what has changed them? And you're telling them, you've changed. Why have you changed? Oh, I haven't changed. I'm just busy or I got things on my mind. No. If you're, if you're running with the wrong people, it's going to change you. I visited a young man in jail a few weeks ago. Mm. I'd seen the before and the after pictures of him. Before, he was cheery, nice haircut. His eyes were, his eyes were good. Okay. He's smiling. Then I went and saw the pictures now. And I visited him in jail. And I asked him, how did this happen to you? And he said, I hooked up with the wrong crowd. And they were in drugs. And he killed somebody. So how'd you end up here? Got on drugs. 
I can mark where I went off. I went off with wrong relationships, wrong friendships, and it changed me. When you're in a bad relationship, what's your first instinct? Do you ignore everything and keep quiet? Or do you make your voice heard and weed out what you know is toxic? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff illustrated the beauty of letting Jesus transform your relationships. The only way to achieve fulfillment in your relationships is by following God's example. Bring aboard as many believers as you can and let godly influences guide your life. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is go to our website and find the Donate tab. It's that easy. That website again is hardwired.org. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today, and thanks for listening to this radio ministry. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition of Hardwired. What comes to mind when you think of habits? For some, it's all positive things, such as reading before bed or eating kale every day, while for others, it's only bad things, such as smoking cigarettes or scrolling through your phone every morning. In his next message, Pastor Jeff illustrates the life-changing improvements that come with focusing on good habits. When Jesus is your habit, you'll never desire for anything else in this world again. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from his series, The Top Four Prophets of Future. So be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.